I, um, I was asked to do this a while ago. And so when I was asked to do it, I thought, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I began to think about what it was that I thought God wanted me to speak about. And God wanted me to speak about, I thought, what's in a name? That was the title I had, what's in a name? And I thought, oh, okay. So I started to investigate and to pray and to look into that. And then on Monday, God said, no, don't want you to speak about that anymore. And I thought, all right then. And um, I believed that what he wanted us to, or me to speak about this morning, was the story of the, the 12 spies that we read about in Numbers chapter 13 and on into chapter 14. And the, the background to it is that the children of Israel have been enslaved in Egypt, but God has miraculously brought them out of that slavery. He has led them um, across, that's all right, he's led them across um, the land, uh, out of Egypt and across into um, the promised land. And they've arrived at the borders of the promised land. And God had proved himself again and again on that journey. He'd proved himself in the way he'd gotten them out of Egypt. But they arrive at the land and instead of just believing and trusting that God was going to take them forward into that land, they decided that they really needed to know what was going on in there first. So they decide that they're going to choose 12 spies to go and scout the land and see what's happening in there and see what, what it is that they've got to face. And so they choose 12, one from each of the tribes, and they send them out. They spend 40 days scouting the land. They look at it, they have a go at seeing, because they've been sent out with some instructions on what they've to look for. They've to see what, it, what kind of fruit it has, what the people are like, what the place itself is like. So they go and they spend those 40 days doing just that. And um, then they come back. And some of them start to give their report. And their report says that the land is already occupied. It's not just occupied, but it's occupied by giants. And this is a people who have been enslaved for generations. And so on hearing these giants were there, instead of putting their trust in God, they began to be fearful. And not only did the spies come back and say that the land was occupied by giants, they said that there was no way they could defeat those giants because in their presence they felt like grasshoppers in comparison. Then some of the other spies got up and they gave their report. And their report started off really well. The land was fruitful. Not only was it fruitful, they'd seen clusters of grapes so big that it took two men to carry them. I remember as a child seeing an illustration of this story 
and it was a picture and there were two grown men and they had a, a, a piece of a branch, I suppose it was, of a tree. And, oh, and Sylvia's got it in her Bible. And the two men are carrying this huge bunch of grapes. And it's so heavy that they're actually bowed under the weight of it. And so these, these spies come back and they say to them, the land is fruitful. Well, God had already told them that. He'd said it was a land flowing with milk and honey. So that sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. But these giants, they were still there. They hadn't gone. They were still there. So the people were still niggled and worried and anxious about that. And then two spies were left, Joshua and Caleb. And they came and they gave their report. Now, I'm sure they'd seen the giants and I'm sure that they'd seen all the fruit. But what they actually saw was that this was the promised land, the land that God had promised to them. And they said that if God had promised it to them, then it didn't matter what else was in the way. When I was thinking about this story and, and what it, it meant for us, now forgive me if actually I'm the only one that needed to hear this, because I did need to hear it. Um, and, and if it is the case, then I'm sorry that you're having to bear with me. But I was thinking about it and I felt that Though we've yet to see just what God can do, he really does want to bless us here in this place. And I felt that he was saying that some of us have our own individual giants. And in our lives, those giants vary because we vary. We're individuals. And God knows us as individuals. He doesn't see us as this collective that is a clone, one of each other. We are all different, just as our hair color and our eye color vary, so do our personalities. So our giants are different. And whatever these giants are, they stop us from seeing what God can do in us. Because we put those giants in the place in our lives that God should have. And we allow the fear that these giants instill in us to snatch away the blessing. The spies that told the people about the giants instilled the fear in the people. And the people reacted to that fear. They reacted by saying they wanted to choose another leader or maybe it was better if they went back to Egypt at least they were safe there. And I felt that God was saying that like those spies who came back and instilled that fear in the people, they allowed themselves and ultimately a generation of people to miss out on the benefits and the blessing that God had already in store for them. Because with God, he was, 
he'd, he'd sort of come to the point where he'd said, what else do I have to do to show these people that I care? What else do I have to do? I've had enough. I'm going to just destroy them. I'm going to smite them from the face of the earth. And I'm going to start again with you, Moses. And I'm going to create a people and I'm going to bless you. But Moses begged for them and said no. Because what would that say to the people around? It would say that you took them out just to destroy them. So instead, God allowed them to wander. The the spies went into the land for 40 days. The people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until the generation that had doubted had died. And I just felt that God was saying to us that we need to deal with the giants in our lives so that we can possess the promises that he has for us. The other weekend when Angela was here, she spoke about the wells being open. In the Middle East at that time, the kind of well that they had meant that you had to lower a bucket and you had to lift the water out. Well, that's like those wells. Those wells are open, but we have to lower the bucket in order to get the blessing. God's not going to tip it on our heads. So if we have giants that are instilling fear in us about the blessing, then we're going to miss out on what that blessing is for each and every one of us. And because we individually miss out, then collectively the fellowship will miss out. And then I thought about what what was God saying about the fruit these two men that had to carry that huge bunch of fruit. And, and I felt that God was saying that the blessing is that fruit. The blessing is there. And it's huge. The potential is huge. And some of us might be afraid of the size of the blessing. And that along with the blessing there might come other bits that we won't be quite so happy about. And we have, or some of us have in the last few weeks, experienced times of of attack and, and trouble in our lives. The blessing came, and the evil one tried to take the blessing away. So we need to hang on to God's promises. And God promises in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 that we will not be tested above that which he has already given us the strength to withhold. We don't even have to ask for that strength. He's already given us it. We just have to tap into it. So the fear instilled by the giants, the fear of the blessing, common thread, that fear, but perfect love casts out fear. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. But we have to trust. We have to trust that the promises that God has given us, the blessing that he wants to pour on us, is worth it. This land that was flowing with milk and honey was everything that they had desired while they were in slavery in Egypt. They'd looked to it. They'd they'd begged God for it. God had given them it, but they allowed fear to stop them from possessing it. 
But then we have Joshua and Caleb. And they were the only two of the spies who lived to see the promised land because they placed their trust in God. They saw the giants, they saw the problems, but instead of allowing the fear to snatch the blessing from, from them and from their families, they held on to the promises of God that he would give them this land. I believe that we're standing at a place in the history of this church where if we allow the giants to come and to instill fear on us, then the blessing that God has in store for each one of us here will be halted. It'll still be there, but it'll be halted and we will have halted it. And God has a work for us to do here. And when we receive the blessing, we will want to share because we will be compelled to because of all the things that God's doing for us. But if we don't share, God will bring up, will rise up people who will, and they will receive the blessing. And the only ones who won't will be us because God has a work and he always brings his work to fruit whether we are part of it or not. And I just felt that God was saying to us, he doesn't want any of us to be left out of this blessing and that not to be afraid, that yes, the way isn't going to be straightforward. It's not going to be easy, but he has promised to walk beside us every step of the way. I don't know about you, but I sense the presence of God hovering over us this morning. And I really believe the Lord wants to, to do things in our lives. And I think what Liz has said has been what a lot of us needed to hear. That there are things in our lives that perhaps we're frightened of. And they seem to stand in the way of the promises of God. And I was thinking of when God said to Moses that when they went into the promised land that he would drive out the the inhabitants little by little so that they could get the land little by little because it would, they'd be overwhelmed by it. And God does that with us. So I just want to pray and then we carry on afterwards and ask that the Lord start to show us those giants, those things that are holding us back. And not, not to be fearful of them. You see, the spies saw the giants. Some were fearful and they let, them, they let the giants rule what they were doing. And men like Joshua and Caleb, they saw the giants. They didn't ignore them, but they said, our God is greater than the giants. So if there's things in your life that you're struggling with, don't try to ignore that they're there, but face them and know that our God is greater. And I really believe the Lord's Spirit just wants to move among us at this time and just wants to release people of these things. So let's... I'm going to pray and let's just be quiet just for a few moments and, and let those, those, those thoughts come upon you. Father, we want to give you thanks 
your presence that broods over us, Lord. Your presence that fills each one of us, Lord, that each one of us comes here as containers of the Spirit of God. And each one of us is filled to the uttermost with your Spirit, Father. I want to thank you, Lord, that although there seems to be giants in the land, yet you say we've been seated in heavenly places in you. And that you are the one who's conquered everything. And that all you ask us to do, Lord, is to rest in what you've done and to stand back and to see the salvation of our God. And we ask, Lord, that you would enter into those areas in our lives where there are giants, Lord, and where there's a desire to turn back to Egypt, Lord, because it seemed easier to go that way rather than go into the promised land. Show us those things, Lord, not that we might be fearful, Lord, but that we might stand firm in the authority and in the love and the, and the care of you, Lord, knowing that our God is mighty, that our God is able to overcome all things and has already done it in Jesus. Give us that faith in the blood that was shed for us, that washes us clean from all unrighteousness and that deals with every wickedness that the evil one will pass, try to put upon us. Lord, we take authority over every power of darkness and we just claim the victory of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, we don't have to earn that victory. We don't have to grasp that victory. All you ask us to do, Lord, is to stand in what you've done and that we do this morning. The Spirit of God, move over each person here. Lord, where there's those that need healing, I pray that your healing hand would come. Where there's those that are, su are suffering from other things, Lord, from anguish in other areas, Lord, I pray that you would come and meet with them, Lord. Where they have doubts, Lord, where there are doubts. Lord, I pray that, that those giants of doubts will go in the name of Jesus. Move in your power, Father. Amen. Had a, as, as, as we were singing the last song about um, living under the shadow of his wings, and I had this picture, which I don't know if it comes from a film or if it comes from a, something I've read, but it was, um, there was a, a, a bush fire, you know, a fire in a forest, and they, the firemen were going through the forest, and they found, one of them found this bird with its wings outstretched, scorched, and he kicked the bird away, and all these chicks ran away. And she had stayed over them and endured all of the heat and all the pain of, of, of the fire to protect her chicks. And I just felt God was saying that's how his love is for us. That he takes all the burning pain and he protects us under his wings. And I just had this picture of the wings of God over us this morning. And he just wants to be confident in that, that he's the one who stands between us and, and every fiery dart that, that, that Satan might, might um, chuck at us. But, of course, he doesn't die. In the, well, he died in the process in Jesus, but he's risen again. Anyhow, I will shut up.
is mentioned wandering and fear. I've been wandering this last few days. I wandered to Manchester on a care and pensions debate and I wandered to London on children's, um, say the children. And when we was in London, say the children, we were talking about the refugees. We stood in a row, 40 people in a line, and when the person said something, for instance, have you access to education, you step forward one. Or if you feel safe, you step forward again. Laugh about eight questions, obviously the line was ibbity-pickety. I never moved. Everybody had this paper and you had to presume you was what was on the paper. I was an eight-year-old child. You're a Syrian refugee somewhere in Europe. Europe. You were travelling with your parents and siblings, but have lost them. Now, if you can imagine, as fear, thousands of children travelling to Europe under that situation, you've got nothing. Everybody is taller than you, you can't speak the language, no food, no water, and you imagine what is happening in that situation. And they are things we need to be concerned about. But also, I was there, there was a Syrian Kurd chap. He was about 30. And he said, I lived in a town in Syria with various religions and various tribes, and everyone got along fine, until they got against the government and the ISIS had taken the control of that sort of demonstration. And he was in that town when ISIS came through and they knocked on his door and said, who do you support? And he said, I support ISIS. He saw the flag, so he said, yeah, I support them. They was pushed out and Sadat came along with his troops and again they said, who do you support? I said, I support you. He said, well, what else do we do? However, ISIS came back again and took over the town and about 15 people vanished. And he was saying, a small town, most people know each other, or not necessarily know of each other anyway. Fifteen people were vanished. About a fortnight later, they were told to assemble in the local square, so they did. And these fifteen people were there. And ISIS then said, whoever the leaders were, we're in charge of this town, and you would do what you're told. And if you don't, this is what you get. And they beheaded those 15 people in front of them. And while those people had objected to the ISIS or not, I don't know, well, it was random, but they had other issues. And when you think of the people in the Middle East and North Africa that are moving across Europe, and this chap, who was the, 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 the Syrian Kurd, said, some Europeans don't like the people coming across into Europe, but we don't want to be there. What else do we do? We don't make us homeless or jobless, but we are running in fear. And across Europe now, we've got these, these children. You have to ask who the parents are that put them on boats to move them on. It's a question to ask, but where they go. So the, the prayers, which in fact I wasn't there yesterday because I, I was at Erzmazira doing the St. George's Day. But yesterday, the Save the Children had a campaign launch, and I was going to show you something, but in fact I went to John Hedden's other day to see the disc I'd got, but it's too long, 
But I have asked him to give us a brief. It hasn't come yet. But some of the facts of the people that are travelling across Europe in such a dire state is enormous. So while this was mentioned, fear and various things, that is something that has been on the agenda this week with me. And I think it's something we should think of. But when you think of the children who are homeless, hungry, with nowhere to go, and no parents, that is an issue that really, really needs severe attention. Thank you. Perhaps we could just pray for that situation. Heavenly Father, that is what you are. You are our Heavenly Father. And you care about every person in this whole world. And as we think about meeting tomorrow night to pray for our own children as mothers, we lift up these children who are either wandering with their families or who have been sent on to supposed safety on their own. Lord, we ask you protect them. Lord, that you will show your love to them. That you would send down your hand and move throughout the countries that are debating whether they want refugees or not. Lord, that thy will be done. And that you would give compassion on those who are involved in the decisions and those who are involved in actually being with the refugees or seeing the refugees passing through their towns. Lord, help us to know how to pray and give us compassionate hearts with your love rather than our own emotions. Lord, may we be powerful in our prayers because we pray as you direct. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I was asked to bring this word by Janet. Um, she came last week. And she said, perhaps you could say this this week because she knew there was going to be a mini-talk and maybe time to do it. Um, and she'd said that she'd been reading um, the book of Haggai and she'd never read it before and she doesn't know why it sort of like popped into her head, but she really felt God had directed her to it. So she read through the book of Haggai, um, which is only sort of like two pages long. Um, so it doesn't take long to read. But um, that night... She woke up at two o'clock in the morning and couldn't get back to sleep. And she just wrote these few thoughts down um, and felt that it was God talking to her. Um, and in Haggai chapter 2, the Lord says, Before long I will shake heaven and earth, land and sea. I will overthrow all the nations and their treasures will be brought here and the temple will be filled with wealth. All the silver and gold of the world is mine. The new temple will be more splendid than the old one, 
and there I will give my people prosperity and peace. The Lord Almighty has spoken. Um, and I think, I was sort of thinking, well, does this tie in with what Liz was saying? And, I, and thank you, Liz, for bringing that word, because it's not, it's not easy to bring something that actually is a bit of a challenge. It's much easier to bring something all cosy that we can all feel happy about. Um, so I, I think that was something that we needed to hear this morning. Um, and, and what Janet has put is um, the book of Haggai is, is encouraging the people to rebuild the temple. Um, they'd been back about 20 years and they'd sort of made a full start about building the temple, but then they'd abandoned it and gone to rebuild in their own homes so that they were cosy and comfortable. Um, and Haggai challenges them, and it's one of the few occasions where the people actually listen straight away and do what the prophet says, um, which you know, I found really encouraging because I was reading through this morning because I thought, well, I can't really come and sort of bring what, what Janet has said if I haven't reminded myself what the book says. Um, and she's just said that building the temple is like us building up the church here in Hurstman Zoo. And not so much the building, as in their case it was the actual physical building of the temple they were building, but that the people are the church and we need to build ourselves up. And then she thought of us as precious gems shining forth, proclaiming a kind and gentle church. Now those are the words that came to her. Jesus was kind and gentle as we need to be. Every one of us is salt and light to everyone we meet. Our church should be a beacon of love, kindness and peace. And that's what Janet felt God had given her that night and she, she wrote it down and then went back to sleep. Um, and as I was reading this again this morning, um, God has given me a picture of gems before um, and of us being like gems. And what I wanted to encourage you with was if you are facing giants and you actually can't step forward to accept the promised land, um, we're not individuals in the sense of we are a united church. We are a people of God. We are children of God. We are brothers and sisters. And what God says is for you all to go together into the promised land. The blessing I want to give you is for all of you together. And if there are giants in our individual lives, then that's something that as a church we can overcome. Um, and the picture of the gems, I, initially I was thinking of it as um, that we're all different gemstones and we all have a, a different, um, God's given us all different images and different personalities and that is true um, and I was thinking of the ring where you have, you have all the, you spell out dearest with diamond, emerald, amethyst, 
ruby, emerald, sapphire, topaz. You know, you have a ring and it has all those and it actually means dearest. And then I was thinking, mm, but there's two E's, so there's two emeralds. So mm, that, that means there's two the same. And then I was thinking about it and I thought, well, actually, no. If you go to an expert jeweller with a bundle of diamonds, like you might, um, they're all different. And they would recognise every one and they would, they would be able to see how to cut each one um, and what facets would, would cast the best light. Um, so every diamond is different and every diamond casts the light out and reflects the light differently. And that's like us. We reflect Jesus differently. But we're all diamonds. Um, and then I was thinking about that ring again. And, you know, you might get big flashy diamonds, but then you get little tiny sparkly ones. And when they all get together, actually, they shine in much, a much better way than a single big one. But the thought that went with me, and that, slightly a warning, was if you're missing one little tiny diamond out of lots that are in your ring, the eye is attracted to the bit that's missing. Um, you don't notice the sparkle so much. Um, and I think for, for people to be attracted to us here, to Jesus, um, we all need to find our own place in the fellowship. We all need to have our own gift and be using our own gift um, and not be missing. Um, and God wants to bless all of us. Thanks very much. It's just that um, we went to Ashburnham a, was it a couple of weeks ago, and um, and there was a word there from Moses. Uh, sorry, uh, Pastor Moses, and uh, he, he felt he had a word really for the um, country. Really, um, I sorry, am I too low? Too low. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, can you hear now? And. Um, and please, Barbara or um, uh, or Josie, if I say anything wrong, will you please correct me? Because I don't know what I'm doing up to here. But um, um, it, it was really it really it was really a long list of things that uh, our country hadn't got right in recent years. Don't, I think that's what was said really. And there was really the uh, thought in this meeting that um, we really needed to pray for our country um, there were some prophecies that that um, I didn't bring and um, and I, I did try to find them on the internet but um, it, it seems from what um, this meeting was about and, and from what I've been looking at that um, God does want to bless this country it seems that um, we have been used before. People have gone out from this country evangelizing the world. And um, it seems that God wants to bless us because of that. And, and although things are going 
wrong and we're getting a lot of things wrong lately and we could come under the judgment of God if we if we don't try and get things right and and pray and bring our country back to God but I think it looks from what I've been looking at that um, he does want to use us and use us for good to bless uh, to bless the the world really again and uh, I, I was trying to look on the internet to try and find some of these prophecies that I couldn't find. And I got into the biblical prophecy, you know, about uh, Gog and Magog. That's, that's to do with Russia in, you, uniting with Europe and, and um, going against uh, Israel, the chosen people. But um, it looks, it, from these prophecies, it looks to me that uh, Britain could be, and I don't, I might be wrong, but they seem to be saying that we are um, the lion in this. Uh, America, of course, is the eagle. We are the lion um, associated with the tarnish as well, if you're into biblical prophecy. And um, it seems that uh, we are going to be used for a force for good, but we need to get praying, really, to bring this about, because um, otherwise we've either got the judgment, if we don't, uh, we can shrink away like um, we often feel like doing. Or, or God's going to really bless us. If we bring this country back to God, he's going to really bless us and use us. And that's what I've got from that. And please, if anybody was there, um, put me right if I've got anything wrong. But that's it then. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. say this prophecy I've got a couple of two or three prophecies here and um, can you hear me I'm not I have two or three prophecies here that um, you could say they're out of date but of course prophecies are never out of date because what God says one year or 10 years 20 years um, they're relevant for the end of time because his coming isn't yet or his coming is yet 
um, is coming, hasn't come yet, that's what I mean to say. Um, this prophecy was given shortly after the great storm of October 16th, 1987. My people, you have seen my power poured forth over this land, but this is only to demonstrate my love to you as a nation. Turn to me, my people, that my power will not have to be demonstrated in wrath, but that you, as a praying nation, may know only my love. It is not too late, but soon, very soon, will be beyond all prayer. For my spirit will not always strive with you, my people. Turn, I say, again, before it is too late. I implore you, my people, to listen and take heed to my warning. You are not listening to my words. I speak yet again. Pray, pray to me, converse with me, that you may know the secret of my presence and the joy which comes to those who know and do my will. Pray for your nation. Again, I say, pray before it is too late. I am your Lord speaking to you, my people. Look up, for, this, for the time is drawing to its close, and the hour of my return is at hand. Watch and pray. I plead with you, pray for your nation. Many there are who are seeking for something to fill an open void in their lives. They can only find that fulfillment in me, their saviour, the saviour of the world. My heart is at breaking and aching for these people, but I can only save them through the faithful prayers of my people. As I sent the disciples forth, so am I sending you. Pray continually, I plead with you, my people, not to let me down or them. And I have another one here, which I feel, I wasn't sure whether to, I brought it, but I wasn't sure whether to or not, because I didn't know what the time was the time. Because I feel, sitting here this morning, it goes very well in with what everything has been said. With everything that's been said, I mean. Um, Open your hearts to me, saith the Lord, and I will teach you ways that are beyond all human expectation. For my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Put your trust wholly in me, and I will bring things to pass that you never think or imagine possible. But these things can only be when you are completely surrendered to me, body, mind, and spirit. When every breath you breathe is anointed with my love and every thought you think is raised in expectation to me, I, am I able to work mightily um, above all that you might ask or think? The way before you is dark and is getting darker. You need my power and love to conquer if you are to overcome in these last days before my return. There are many I would draw to my fold, but they are unwilling to hear my voice. I love them and need them, but my voice falls on deaf ears because of the hardness of their hearts. Pray for them, my people, that their hearts may be broken before me in order that I may save and heal them. As I heal the ones and the twos, my power can spread through the whole earth. Sorry. But you must pray, my people. Pray for those you come into contact with in your daily life and living. 
that my spirit may be able to be poured forth over this land. Take heed to your land, O my people, for it is in turmoil and lacks peace that only I can give through the faithful prayers of my people. So look up, for the days are drawing to the end and to my coming again. So be ready, teach others, for my coming is just around the corner and many will be lost uh, to damnation, but for the praying hearts of my people. Thank you.